I'm Jesse. And I'm Lucas. And this is Double Blind. This is the podcast where each week we pick a breaking scientific study, put it in context, explain exactly what happened, and why it matters. So if you're curious, come with us. We think it'll be a lot of fun. This week on Double Blind, Thin Tin, Graphene's newest cousin. And Does Sex Sell? An analysis of sex and violence in advertising. Jesse, why don't you get us started? Will do. So, Thin Tin is the name of this story. We've talked about other very thin materials on the show before, most notably yeah, graphene. Carbon. Thin carbon, I believe. Yeah, yeah, graphene is thin carbon. It's a single atom thick sheet of carbon atoms. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of other types of these super thin sheets of atoms out there. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> yeah. Some of the notable ones are silicine, which is silicon, okay. uh, phosphorine, which is made of phosphorus, and germanine, which is made of germanium. Okay. So scientists out of Stanford think that they've created stanine for the first time. Okay. Stan- stanine? Stanine. Okay. Stanine is made of tin. It's a single atom thick sheet of tin. Hmm. So the, the thing that's, that differentiates stanine from some of these other sheets of atoms is that it has mm-hmm. some really incredible properties. And I should say theoretical properties. We'll get to that later. Okay. So many of these sheets are really good conductors of electricity. So they just happen to be really adept at conducting electricity really efficiently. Right. Okay. So transferring electrons over the top of the sheets. Exactly. Really really fluidly, really easily. Okay. Sure. Stanning is extra special, though. Scientists (laughs) have predicted that stanning might be something that we call a topological insulator or a TI. Okay. What is that? Yeah. So a topological insulator, it's like, Complex sounding term, but mm-hmm. the, the one thing in there we can latch onto right away is an insulator. An insulator right. is the opposite of a conductor. Yeah. An example of a conductor is something like copper wire, right, mm-hmm. that, that we use to conduct electricity. Yeah. Uh, an insulator is something that does not conduct electricity, meaning electrons cannot move through it freely. Right, like the coating around copper wire. Exactly. Whereas the copper mm-hmm. wire itself, the conductor, or a semiconductor, which are used in electronics a lot, mm-hmm. enable electrons to move through them freely or semi-freely. Totally. So a topological insulator is something a little bit different. It's a very special kind of material where electrons cannot move through the main bulk of the material, which makes it an insulator, but they can move along the edge or the surface. Okay, but if a substance is one atom thick, isn't it all surface? Well, in this case, it's actually, when I say along the edge or surface, what mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking about is the single, essentially one-dimensional line of atoms along one side of the sheet. Oh, okay. So we're, we really are just talking about the, you got a piece of paper, the areas that give you a paper cut. Exactly. The areas that give you right? a paper cut. So if paper cuts are electron flow, you can't get a paper <laughs> cut across the main part of the sheet, but you can get it along all the edges. Yeah. If we're talking about a sheet of paper, um, mm-hmm. which of course is many 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 atoms thick unlike unlike sure. the standing yeah it's still it's it's those edges that we're talking about the electricity running along okay got so it. let's first talk about how a standard conductor works so something like a copper wire mm-hmm. uh, electrons flow through the bulk of the material right through the middle of the wire and they flow mm-hmm. in a very unruly way so when they hit an impurity or or anything else they'll bounce and backscatter which gives off heat okay and that's what reduces the efficiency of the conductor right okay that makes a lot of sense so superconductors are really efficient conductors whereby either because of the material they're made of or the conditions they're in like perhaps super cooled 
They're mm-hmm. really efficient at conducting electricity without a lot of heat loss. Mm-hmm. And, and it's worth noting that that heat loss is a huge limiting factor in electronics. The fact that conductivity generates heat yeah. wastes a lot of energy. For sure. So in a TI, a top, topological insulator, it's hard to say. That is. <laughs> in a TI. It sounds like you're talking about a wrapper every time you say that. <laughs> TI. I was thinking it sounds like those, like those old calculators, you know, like the TI-84 oh, yeah, that we all had to spend $200 on for no reason. Yeah, totally. So in a TI, not the wrapper, not the calculator. Top, okay, sorry. I mean, topological insulator. Yeah. The laws of quantum mechanics actually prevent the electrons from bouncing around. So they're forced to move right along the conducting edge states, these edges of the material. Okay. And then through another quirk of quantum mechanics, they're actually immune to a lot of these impurities. So they move straight through any impurities in the material in, in a seemingly magical way. Whoa. Yeah, it's, it's really incredible. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your word for the, those quantum mechanical quirks there. I, yeah. We'll, I, don't, I don't quite get that. I'll, I'll get but... into a little bit of how the mechanics of it works. Um, okay, some of the cool. stuff like jumping across impurities is beyond the scope of what we're going to talk about today totally and possibly beyond the scope of my brain but regardless we'll post some links to articles that at least attempt to explain it in a layman's kind of way in the show notes so if you're interested you can go check it out and learn more about quantum mechanics sounds good but let's let's talk a bit more about some of the more general stuff so We've been able to create topological insulators before using using magnetic fields. So okay. there's certain materials where if you put a magnetic field through them, it creates something that's called the quantum Hall effect. All right. I'm going to explain this in a kind of simplified way because the real quantum treatment of it is way more complicated. And this, is, this is often the case with quantum Sounds mechanics. Good. We've, we've got to kind of simplify things in order for them to make sense. Yeah. But you can think of it as that the electrons in the middle atoms on this sheet mm-hmm. are stuck in place moving kind of in an orbit in little circles whereas the electrons at the edge hit the edge of the material causing them to bounce along the edge and you can you can imagine this in such a way that if you take your finger and you poke it out in front of you and you make little circles in the air with it Mm -hmm. they're fine and they can go in a little circle like that but if you bring your finger down onto your desk and you start to make a, a circle you'll make the semicircle you'll make half of it and then you'll come back in contact with the desk you can't go through the desk to finish oh, the circle yeah and that's the edge of the material past the edge right. of the paper so yeah. the velocity is reversed and it does another little semicircle in the same direction basically mm-hmm. bouncing along the side of the paper totally okay does that make sense that does make sense yeah so basically kind of making these little semicircles these half orbits around the edge kind of hopping along like a frog kind of hopping along like a frog you can also see their yeah. trajectory kind of like the edge of a stamp what do you mean by you that know how stamps have little those little cutouts oh yeah them? totally like a postage stamp. a postage stamp yeah yeah totally okay yeah, that's that's kind of the basic premise of what's going on mm-hmm. and because all of the circles that these electrons are making are in the same direction either all clockwise or counterclockwise because of the magnetic mm-hmm. field the ones right. at one side of the sheet will be moving the opposite direction from the ones on the other side of the sheet. Okay. So do we kind of have like a circuit going around the sheet? It kind of ends up being like a circuit going around the sheet. The the end result okay. of which is that we get electron flow. Cool. Yeah. So th- this is great, but it requires a magnetic field. All right. Whereas theoretically, standing doesn't need that field. It's, Whoa. It's natural properties could just make it... Uh, I wanted to say topographical insulator for some reason, a topological insulator. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've also been able to create a TI with mercury telluride, okay. which is a, another compound, and, but we had to sandwich it between layers of cadmium telluride and then apply some other sort of constraints to it. it. It's a really complex process. Sounds like it, yeah. So theoretically, Stanine could just solve all of those problems. Huh. That um, sounds awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really promising idea. I mean, the the... 
The dream it's selling is the idea of a conductor that doesn't waste energy, that doesn't give off any heat. Mm -hmm. And doesn't require that external energy source creating a magnetic field or supercooling something. Yeah, exactly. The, the key thing that makes Stanning so special mm -hmm. is that, in theory, if all of this turns out to be true, it will work as a TI at room temperature with no magnetic field and no extra conditions applied, no extra materials needed. Right. So you don't have to input energy to it to create the conditions. And it's the first time we've been this close to finding a material that does that. That's awesome. So interestingly, when graphene was being developed, the researchers originally theorized that it would be a topological insulator. Oh, and now graphene isn't, it's, is it? It's not. They turned out to be wrong about this. Okay, so, so that makes me a little suspicious of this current one. <laughs> exactly. Standing also could be a red herring. Okay. And the key thing is that these researchers have created what they think is standing for the first time, but they haven't actually been able to confirm whether it's able to conduct electricity without heat loss yet. Okay. And possibly more importantly, they haven't actually been able to confirm that they've made standing. Ah, uh, okay. That sounds like a problem. Yeah. What they did is they... they what, had, what have they done? Well, they, had a, they, they got a <laughs> vacuum. Not a vacuum cleaner, okay. but a, a vacuum where there's no air or matter in, inside. Sounds good. They, they vaporized a bunch of tin inside that vacuum. Okay. And then they allowed the atoms to waft onto a supporting surface made of a compound called bismuth telluride. Okay. And that's what they did. That's all they did. Uh, they, they took a photo of it, of what they made, of their creation, with a scanning <laughs> tunneling microscope, which is a special type of microscope used to see very yeah, small stuff. They're awesome. Yeah. They're really cool. And it looks like they created standing from the top. Okay. The lattice that they're seeing looks like the structure yeah. they would expect from standing. Okay. But they're not 100% sure that it isn't a just another similar formation of tin. Right. So before they'll be able to prove that, they need to produce a lot more of it because they'll need to measure it using X-ray diffraction. Um, mm -hmm. Right, totally. Uh, and then they'll need to obviously make even more to be able to test its conductivity. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So, so X-ray diffraction being shooting X-rays at it and then looking at the pattern of the X-rays bouncing off of yes. it to figure out what the reflector is, yeah. essentially. They, ju they just need more of the material to be able to use that method. Okay, well, that sounds like... <clears throat> They've got a plan, at least. Yeah, totally. So it's a really promising first step. And mm -hmm. one of the discoverers of graphene was quoted as saying that really with this kind of stuff, the first step is the most important. Yeah. And, and I totally see that with this. But we're clearly still a long way off. Wasn't the first step of graphene to put pencil lead onto scotch tape? Yeah. Wasn't that their first that step was their versus first a step. crazy vacuum vaporizing <laughs> tin machine? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit wacky. A little bit. I, I always find it strange. We, we kind of assume that these researchers are using all of this insane equipment and stuff, and then you hear so like that story of graphene, which is the pencil lead on yeah. scotch tape. Like, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's basically all there is to this story. It's just... A bunch of researchers think that they made stanning, and they're not sure. Yeah. And if it's true they made it, and if it's true yeah. that it has these properties, it could totally change how we build computers in the future. Well, graphene already has. Yeah. And that was not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's very cool. Yeah. I mean, for things like quantum computing, this could be huge. That's awesome. That's, yeah, that's basically all there is to it. Hopefully we'll see a little bit more soon. Absolutely. It could be a very cool new material. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, no worries. Um, so yeah, I was I was thinking we should uh, we should look for some ways to attract some new listeners. I was thinking of maybe, you know, sexing up the podcast a little bit. 
Okay. Bringing some, bringing some sex appeal to double blind. Do I have to wear an outfit or something? Well, I don't know. Double blind fold was my first thought. <laughs> Capitalize on the Fifty Shades of Grey. Exactly. Success. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Jesse and Lucas. Um, well, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I'm gonna have to slap a different rating on the podcast. Um, I, I was thinking about that, but then I decided probably not. As a result of this really cool new meta-analysis out of Ohio State University. Oh, <laughs> speaking of segues. Speaking of segues. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this, this study shows that sex and violence, because it looked at both factors, sex okay. and violence in advertising might not actually work, as well as the old saying goes, that sex really? sells. Yeah. Okay. So, I just used that term meta-analysis, and we've talked about this in the podcast before. But mm-hmm. just a really quick refresher. This is a study that collects the findings of many other studies that look at the same issue. Mm-hmm. So, like, instead of usually in a study where you see a point on a graph where that's a participant in the study, yeah. in a meta-analysis, a point on a graph represents an entire other study and many, right. many participants that have gone into that. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way to sort through issues where there's a lot of scatter in the data or conflicting results. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this case, the researchers looked at 53 studies. Okay. With a total of about 8,500 participants. Wow. Yeah, a lot. And these are all studies that look at the effectiveness of advertising and the effectiveness Mm -hmm. of certain factors in advertising. Right. And the particular argument the authors are trying to make is they're arguing that evolution has conditioned people to pay very specific attention to violent and sexual cues. Okay. Now, this makes sense you know sort of an intuitive way because if you or one of your ancestors were more you know attentive to violence you're probably less likely to be killed (laughs) yeah because you can you know dodge the rock being thrown at you and if your ancestor was more you know attuned to sexual cues then they're more likely to reproduce right which is why you're here exactly so that's the basic hypothesis which this is based on okay that seems sound It seems very sound. However, they also predict that this will cause viewers to pay less attention to other details in an advertisement, such Hmm. as the products being sold. (laughs) Interesting. And they cite a few sort of previous studies in this. And the one I found particularly interesting is a study which demonstrated that witnesses to crimes which involve weapons tend to have less accurate memory of other details because they were so focused on the weapon. Interesting. Yeah. I believe that. That actually seems intuitive. I believe it completely. So the Authors started out with the prediction that sex and violence will not do well. They may grab a viewer's attention, but they won't do well in terms of communicating a message Mm -hmm. because the viewer will be so focused on the sexy thing or the violent thing. Okay, that makes sense. Right. I have have a a question about the studies that were being referenced in this. Yeah. So do you have a sense of how they determined how sexy an ad was right so like what is like what is that what is that measurement there are so many different ways they've done it right in and a lot of it was kind of uh, crude i think might be the right word pretty much anything in the last couple decades they've just used tv show ratings oh that's ridiculous it's very crude yeah for sure So, I mean, you got to be aware of that because they've, you know, not only looked at whether something was sexy or not sexy, because that you can pretty much determine, right? If there's sexual content Mm -hmm. or no sexual content. Uh, Yeah. Right. In in an advertisement. We'll get into into this later. For sure. So they're looking at a couple other hypotheses too, uh, just sort of that they're keeping in mind when they're going through this data. Um, Mm -hmm. The first one is called the congruity priming hypothesis. Okay. Uh, This is that violent ads... 
that are placed within violent media are more accessible because the audience is already primed to being receptive to them. I see. Kind of desensitized to the violence. Exactly. And it's the same for sexual ads and sexual media. Right. And there's another hypothesis which says the exact opposite of that. And it's called the cognitive <laughs> interference hypothesis. Okay. And it's that violent ads and violent media tend to fuse together in the viewer's mind and they don't oh. retain anything from the ads. Okay, so the, the converse of the other one being it's all violence. Yeah. I don't know. There were guns. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing. Exactly. Yeah. So these are two conflicting hypotheses that they're trying to sort through and test. Okay, cool. So they found these 53 studies and essentially they included studies which involved exposing participants to violent or sexual images and then asking them questions regarding three factors. Memory, okay which essentially was looking for recall and recognition. Yep. Attitudes towards what they saw. So subjectively mm -hmm. rating it as either good or bad. Okay. And buying intentions. So rating their likeliness to purchase something as a result of it. Right. Or their likeliness to purchase something after it. Okay. And of course, they also required that these studies had to have control groups. So groups of people who are put through the exact same procedures but with images that were non-violent and non-sexual. Okay. Right, so that's how they sort of controlled for everything they were putting them through and try to figure out a normal sense. answer to the question. Right, that's a reasonable control. Yeah, and they were also careful to distinguish between what was media and what was an advertisement. Okay. So they looked at media such as a TV show and the ads put in them, and mm -hmm. then just advertisements on their own, right? right? So would a non-sexual ad do well in a sexualized or non-sexualized TV show? Right. Or would, uh, on its own, would a sexualized or non-sexualized ad do better? Okay. Yeah. So, condensing all these results from all these studies, they measured something called the effect size. And this was, uh, okay. this was just a number, which they sort of spit out from every study. Right. And what this essentially was is it's the difference in responses, the relative difference in responses between the control and non-control groups. Okay, so the bigger the number, the bigger the effect of the sex device. Precisely. Okay. So what did they find? They found, uh, very interesting, advertisements placed within violent media Mm -hmm. had lower viewer retention, mm. poorer attitudes, and less huh. buying intention. Interesting. And they found ads placed within sexualized media had poorer viewer attitudes and had absolutely no effect on memory or buying intention. Wow. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. So in terms of placing an ad within those contexts, right. doesn't appear to give you an advantage over placing an ad outside of a violent or sexual context that's interesting yeah so I, I mean i guess that's kind of saying it doesn't matter what tv show you're watching you're equally receptive to ads uh in, as a general rule. well as as a general rule but i mean the thing is in in the violent media it shows you're actually less receptive to ads. oh yeah you're actually yeah. less. so receptive. you're either yeah. equally or less receptive within those pieces of media so that whole priming hypothesis is out the window there it's it's interesting um because they did look so those were just the media themselves those weren't right. taking into account what sort of ads were being placed. Right, the content of the commercial. Right. The one priming thing that did prove true was when violent ads were placed in violent media. They found that memory and buying intentions did increase. Oh, interesting. So that tends to go to the priming hypothesis, the idea oh, weird. that the media can condition you to be receptive to what the ad is. Right. Or maybe if you're watching a violent TV show and you're just stoked on something, right. maybe you get stoked on the ad too. I don't... I don't know. I guess that could be the case. Uh, I mean, certainly violence would... Yeah. But it, in these studies, it's not like they're showing the violent TV shows with the violent ads to only people who like those kinds of shows. Presumably, yeah. no, you're they're showing a, a, everyone. You're getting people who don't like violence in TV to watch these as well. That's a very good point. And yet, still, the stats show that there's some correlation there. So 
Yeah. It's doing, it's doing something to your brain. Yeah. That's interesting. interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. And, they, and they also found this goes back to sort of what you mentioned about how do you rate how sexy something is. They <laughs> right. did find they had, they had four classes of sexual intensity. Okay. And they found that as the intensity of sexual content within the ads themselves mm-hmm. increased, viewer memory, viewer attitude, and viewer buying intentions all decreased hmm, interesting. as the intensity of sexual content increased. Okay. So again, were those were those ratings of how sexual the ad was from a rating that it, like the TV is the ad or just, is there some guy in a lab coat sitting there like it was different in counting, <laughs> counting. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to finish that sentence. Counting, counting something. Uh, it, it was something. it was different in all of the studies. Yeah. Essentially, it was thresholds of some sort. They, okay. they, they were it was it was boxes being ticked about whether a threshold was crossed. Right. That seems so subjective. It is incredibly subjective. Incredibly like violence. Incredibly so. Yeah, or violence, violence is even more so, right? Like there's yeah. cartoon, cartoony violence or stuff, you know, how bloody something is or if it's so bloody then it becomes over the top, like yeah. it's almost comical. Or, or what about like a well-filmed scene that doesn't show blood or doesn't show gore but implies right. something yeah, and like and just, just makes I mean, some your of the most, skin crawl and that's like some of the most disturbing totally. stuff out there. Yeah, some yeah, some of the most disturbing scenes of violence are show the least and that's what makes them so so effective yeah or, or and, and the same with sexual content in in film and tv right like yeah. often cutting away at the right time yeah creates a, a stronger sense of something than anything else so yeah i mean i think for this one you can be pretty safe in the if they consider it sexualized or non-sexualized i think you can be pretty yeah. safe in that distinction because i don't think they would have used any examples that were on the border right. of that but for the intensity that's yeah, that's difficult to determine. Yeah, okay. I, so I'm sorry. I'm just trying to lure you into a conversation about filmmaking. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. That's all it is. Um, a, a really interesting result that wasn't highlighted overly much was that, you know, they have studies, these 53 studies cover about 50 years of data. Like the first Whoa. ones are in the 60s that were done. Yeah, and interesting. if you look at this effect size measurement over the mm-hmm. plotted sort of against the publication date of all the studies, right? the effects of memory impairment and brand attitude have decreased over the last 50 years. So this is the difference between the control and non-control groups. Okay. Has, has got less. So it kind of suggests that people might be becoming more accustomed to these sort of images and media. Right. Yeah. And yeah, they don't have the same effect on us as they used to. Exactly. Yeah. It's not I gone. I certainly believe that. But yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting to see. Hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, so to summarize what happened, both sex and violence never helped advertisements and often, in fact, hurt the effectiveness. And the authors really try to make that evolutionary link. I'm not sure if you even need to make that link, but they really do try to cement that that this is an evolutionary trait that we pay attention to these cues at right. the cost of other details. I mean, that sounds like it's its own hypothesis that needs testing. It, and that, right? and like that's, that's really what I would think. Yeah. Yeah. That requires more than a meta-analysis to, 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 to be able to say definitively. The meta-analysis shows the effect, the evolutionary yeah. link. It makes sense to me. Yeah. I get it, but I don't know how you can prove it. Totally. Yeah. I don't know what your step to do that is. We got to get the guys who did that study on oysters to come up with something clever. Exactly. <laughs> Magnets <laughs> inside the viewer's minds. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe you shouldn't use sex or violence in your ad. Yeah, maybe we should tell that to GoDaddy. They're the worst offender. Are they? Yeah. Have you, there's Super Bowl commercials every year. They just like, they go, they, they always use sex to sell their content. Huh. What do you think of this? I mean, you're... You're studying filmmaking. Sex might not sell. Sex and violence might not 
sell products particularly well, mm-hmm. but it certainly sells it certainly sells access to content. People love that stuff. There's there's oh, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just went and saw the new Mission Impossible movie last night. Oh yeah. And like they prominently displayed a bunch of brands. Yeah. In the context of that. And I remember the brands that they pointed to. Yeah. And it was a violent movie. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a fair point for sure. I was when I was reading through this, I was trying to think of what what does work. And the thing that popped to mind was comedy. Yeah, humor, I would say, in commercials makes me remember them more. It's also oh, yeah. way more likely to get something to go viral. Yes, absolutely. Which right? is kind of the like, name of the game these days. Totally, with commercials. Yeah. People, it's vi- like, the stuff that goes viral is really funny or really cute yeah. or really controversial. And so, yeah. like, some of those GoDaddy commercials yeah. ended up going viral, not on account of them being particularly funny, but on account of the fact that they got pretty controversial. Right, totally. I mean, again, there, it's possible that sex and violence might not sell products, but it might get people talking about the commercial, which then might. gets them maybe talking about the product. And, and I mean, what you got to remember is every one of these studies, you know, showed people something and then asked them a question about do you intend right. to buy this or not? It didn't track whether they bought something. Right. So that's the other thing. Yeah. Is that whole intent to buy thing, I, I have to be honest, I think it's total BS. Because yeah. like, like I know there, everyone likes to say that advertising doesn't work on them. Mm-hmm. It's something I hear a lot. And it's yeah. almost always wrong. Yes. <laughs> advertising works on everybody. And we just don't realize how effective some of it is. Yeah. Almost everyone, I'm sure at some point, has not known which product to buy. And they've bought the one they recognize yeah. without even realizing it. Yeah. And they probably recognize it from a commercial yes. somewhere. So asking someone whether they have the intent to buy something, people are not stupid. And if they're shown a forum saying, do you intend to buy this? They, they, they like to say that they don't intend to buy it because they don't want to they don't want it to seem or they don't want to admit that the commercial works on them or they don't think it did yeah because the whole nature of good commercials is they're, they're kind of insidious mm-hmm. right that they put they put these ideas of a brand or a lifestyle in your head and then you have these associations as a subconscious thing yeah. right I, it's i wonder if you could do this better with you know just taking which google adwords ads have been shown yeah. to someone and then compare that with their amazon history yeah like, I wonder if you could really use the internet to do this, do this in a better well, way. It'd be really interesting to do. Although that, of course, that's only certain types of products. Like a lot yes. of advertising works in terms of just getting like name recognition in stores, right? When you yeah. go into it. I mean, I like I don't drink a lot of pop or anything, mm-hmm. but like I'm pretty sure that every time I see a cute Coca-Cola commercial, it increases my my liking of the Coke brand, even though I yeah. know intellectually know I don't like Coke, the Coke brand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Coke and I don't like there's nothing about the brand I like. But yeah. When I see the ad and I laugh at it, it I can makes you feel good about complain it. Complain about it and deny it, but I I know it's making me feel good, and I'm probably associating that subconsciously with with the word Coke. Totally. And the, the look of the logo and the little polar bears. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like the intent to buy things. No, that's actually the no. biggest thing that bothers me about those studies. It's got some problems with it for sure. I, I want to see that stuff studied more. I, I think a lot of that study, like I think a lot of that stuff is very very intently studied with very very high budgets, but then it's studied by people who use that information and then all of a sudden it's proprietary. Yeah. It's an area which is studied very intently by people who do not publish their results. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see those results published. Yeah. That's it for this week. We've got links to all the studies we discussed and more in this episode's show notes, which are located at our beautiful website, doubleblindscience.com. We hope you've enjoyed our adventure into this week's science news. Check back next week. We have two new and exciting stories coming at you. 
If you've seen something you'd like us to cover, something you're curious about, let us know. We're always looking for new ideas. If you got thoughts on the show, we want to hear those too. If you got thoughts on the show that are positive, we want you to put those on iTunes and review us. Um, you can also give us a shout by email, stories at doubleblindscience.com, or on Twitter. Our handle is at doubleblindsci. Thanks for listening. Take care.